What's up, friend? How are you doing? Welcome to Plus Ultra. This podcast is for online entrepreneurs who have already launched their first offer and have already made their first sale. You're going to learn the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps that business owners took so that you can truly earn your freedom and design a life you don't need an escape from. We release weekly episodes on Wednesdays. Some are in interview format, others are in monologue format. I'm your host, Mateo Carrasco, but my friends call me Mateo for short. <laughs> no, but seriously. I was a management consultant straight out of college here in Washington, D.C., and then I worked remotely in 2020 from Denver, Colorado, and all of 2021 from Oahu, Hawaii. I lived in Kailua. From there, life got really interesting. My fiance and I, we decided to call it off. I started my own business, Veloxis, where I help business owners with their systems, their automations, integrations, and I help from prospecting to fulfillment. This podcast, Plus Ultra, is going to help you with the major roadblocks that will appear on your entrepreneurial journey. And more importantly, the people I will interview are other online business owners who have really amazing offers, life advice, and business stories. And with that, let's dive right into the episode. Welcome to Plus Ultra. All right, so we got Avery Strove joining us from Boulder. How you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? Good, good. Are you in Boulder, right? I'm in, I'm like a little bit away from Boulder in Denver. Okay, nice, nice. And you're still studying business there, right? Yeah, I've got one more semester left, and then I graduate in December. Let's go, man. That's exciting. When we first got on our call together, I was really pleasantly surprised because as a college student, you managed to publish this book, From Drifting to Winning, Break Your Social Media Addiction, Optimize Your Dreams and Goals, and you have a challenge at the end of the book, too. It's a really well-written book, man. That's just kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I had some help. Honestly, I had like a writing coach who yeah. helped me organize all of it. And together it became that really cohesive and coherent book. It was really cool. Yeah, that was David Strauss. Was that your? Yeah, yeah. that's the man. Cool. You mentioned him a lot. You pepper his name in a lot. What was the story behind that? Because it's not really common to have a college student publish a book. So you have a good mentor, you're saying. But what was your process like? Like what made it possible? The process was really like kind of spontaneous. At first, I wasn't even like planning on doing it. And then we hopped on a bunch of calls and kind of worked through how easy it actually was self-published through Ingram Spark. So mm. after that, I was like, okay, let's do it. Then we like went into, I would just brained up a ton of stuff, just what I was thinking, what I was learning. I was going through and a lot of it at that time was like Tony Robbins was who I was learning from yeah. a lot of Arlen. He's in there a bunch of like different books, like infinite possibilities by Mike Dooley. So I was just brain dumping a lot of things I was learning. And then he would come in and help me organize it into like different topics. And so that's how we got the seven chapters, the mind, the body, financial, all of those. That was like a six month long process where we would like do that same thing. We brain dump, organize, meet up, kind of work through it and figure out which pieces go where, what to add, what to do. And then after that, the next like two or three months was just like you have to get a person who designs the whole book layout. Yeah. And then a person who designs like the cover and then also upload it all to Ingram Spark. And mm -hmm. then we were done. So done in like six months and then a little bit of process after to get it all set up and published. That's awesome. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, are overthinking the whole book writing process. It really is yeah. like a six month turnaround for you, more or less. 
I would say, yeah, I mean, you can, it's hard because it's like any art or creative piece, it's hard to know when you're done. But yeah, I would say the biggest thing like I talk about is having a mentor who yeah. accelerates the process. That's so true, man. What did your dumping look like? Was it all voice notes? Was it just writing? Was it on the call with him and you just recorded the call? Or? There are two main things. The first was I would just hop on a document and just type for like an hour or two then i would send that to him and over time he would keep sending me what he had worked on and then i would add to it and then he like that change went back and forth and then the other thing that we did was we would like meet up at like coffee shops nice. or anywhere and just like start talking about random stuff and there would just be and we would record those so there would just be golden nuggets that we yeah. talked about that we would then add to the book from there. Awesome, man. With what you just said and what's in the book multiple times, having a mentor really sounds like it's a key. And I love that you're a Tony Robbins guy too. I think we talked about this on our last call. Yeah. Particularly the success leaves clue part mm -hmm. where a lot of people, I don't know if it comes from a place of ego or maybe they think this is the way the world is. They try to really muscle their way through things without really taking advantage of people who have already been there. And the fact that a lot of people have already been there would love to be mentors themselves. Like, I don't know if you've been in a position yet to like guide someone younger through something. It's such a fulfilling feeling, but uh, I love that you talk about that a lot. And it's great that you got a mentor in the writing space. I know you have other mentors you mentioned in the book, like Arlen, who we were both in Tribe. That's one of the best things I've done socially, I think, for you as well. Yeah. And yeah. could you maybe expand a bit on that idea of really leveraging mentorship? Yeah. I'm at a point kind of earlier on where I have a few ideas of where to get mentors. Obviously, online is like a huge space. And a lot of mentors that I've like that I know about, you pay for their programs and then you're let in and then you instantly get that like access to them. So a lot mm -hmm. of mentors you're going to have to pay for. But then I've also understand that you can get a job somewhere and your boss or your manager is going to be play a huge part in that. So that's why I think it's it's good to make a conscious decision about where you work and the work environment that you're going to be in because they're going to be able to teach you so much. Mm -hmm. So, and that's something for me, like I used to think that I don't ever want to work a nine to five, mm -hmm. but I feel like, you know, those businesses were built by entrepreneurs or by groups of people. And so, you know, that's a really good spot to go in and get something to learn. From them yeah. honestly i would say a big part of mentors is having them for different areas of your life too so i have like a family friend who is all in the holistic health healing body work space mm -hmm. so i have her that i go to for anything i need in those areas like what i want to eat what supplements to take what vitamins and herbs and what how to take care of my body with yoga and breathing and body work and then i have like arlen and everybody in tribe who are min like mini mentors under Arlen because yeah. everybody's doing their own thing that I can tap into and access. So it's, it's like you want mentors and there's a bunch of places to find them and you want them for different parts of your life. Absolutely. Because otherwise you could end up being a drifter like you talk about. You want to tell me the difference between a drifter and a winner? I love the distinction you make. 
Yeah, I would say just, well, it's like Napoleon Hill says, just having like a clear, definite understanding of, and I've actually been contemplating this a bit more recently because he describes it in his book as, you know, a quickness in your step, a sparkling in your eye, you know where you're going, you know what you want. But I've been like kind of working with the idea of not necessarily needing a vision but just needing an objective, like what's your next objective in life instead of more of like a long-term vision, like he talks about. And I feel like there's a bunch of people that say, like in um, The Superior Man, he talks about it as being an onion. So it's gonna constantly evolve and change, which is true. But I don't know, I've just found it hard to find like that main overarching mission in life. So I kind of just have been more focused on like, what's my next objective? So for me, this summer, it's like doing door-to-door sales and finishing the summer out. And then that one after that is school. But like further out, I don't really know. And I guess I don't really need to know is what I've been getting at. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, did you turn 21? Yeah, I just turned. Let's go, man. Congratulations. Yeah, man, you're young. I mean, I think that is a really good place to be in motion not really knowing the overarching thing, like you said, but at least taking steps towards what you think it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that's very rewarding in and of itself. And in the book, you talk about a way you can kind of identify that thing is by finding people who are in your tribe, you said, and talking to high value people. And then through the conversations, little nuggets will pop up that kind of guide you towards your purpose. That's another good way to yeah. really figure out. Yeah, talking with people will show you like new perspectives about the world new things that they're working on that you would have never known. Yeah. So, and tribe, let me tell you, tribe is the best place to find new things that people are doing, especially in the online space. Yeah, man. And door-to-door sales. I bet you've met some of the other door-to-door sales guys. Like, have you talked to Ethan yet? Ethan, yeah. And Albert, cool. He's the one I think leading them or managing them. Yeah, the social side is very important. I love that you talk about it. I mean, I like to read just like you like to read. And a lot of these books on average are about like five years old. Maybe some Napoleon Hill stuff is much older, right? But it's really cool to crack open your book and see words like Instagram and like see like more modern things and how to leverage that. So it really makes it more tactile. And I like how there's no BS. You're saying that you should leverage your Instagram like a vision board, like romanticize your life, basically. Have your goals and the things you want right there so and then more than anything you don't want it to be phony because when people meet in person and you're not that online persona people figure it out right away so i like that you make it more modern these seven pillars you talk about they all are applicable whether you read this in 2023 or 2043 you know Mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna ask you actually basically i was at first i was thinking that i wanted to really you know utilize the book as an asset to tap into more people that are like-minded and tribe however Mm -hmm. as i've kind of like started to get it out there and talk with people about it and hear feedback i realize it's more of a book for people just starting out who may have never heard of Mm self-development or may have never even gotten in touch with it or have are just starting out so it's like a good foundational core piece but i was going to ask you what you would recommend in terms of like obviously podcasts getting out there, but I think you have experience with building a brand behind something Mm -hmm. and all that. So I was going to ask you what steps you might recommend. Yeah, man. I really like that idea because you want to have a dream client, 
when you're building an offer. You'll hear it often a lot of times people say that the best dream client tends to be the entrepreneur himself five years ago. So in this case, it'd be like you pre your Maui event mm -hmm. what in Maui, where you got all this insight and like realized you can change your mind. Talk to that version of Avery and that version of Avery, if you just start off right the bat with like the 80-20 stuff and Tony Robbins, he, it might go over his head. But this book, you lay out all these things really well. So it kind of would be for someone who's just new into the self-development space. Like, I mean, we've talked about you pre-Maui, but do you think that version would be most receptive to this book? Yeah, that's that's exactly. I, I love that idea that looking <laughs> back at your own self. But yeah, no, me a little bit ago, probably wouldn't be five years, but definitely like two or three years ago, for sure, yeah. right before I got into it. That's like, yeah, he would definitely be receptive. Dude, glad to help. Well, one of the things that makes it really powerful, because I know you said you were kind of exploring copywriting too. For your ads and stuff, you can use the language that two years ago Avery would use. So I know you said you're very big into video games, very big into certain creators, I imagine. Mm -hmm. There's certain like slang words they use that you could just like throw into your copy. And then these kids would be like, holy shit, he's talking to me. Because mm -hmm. you got out of the hole. I bet a lot of people who were you're playing with and like involved with are probably still in that same hole. So if they can see that you can communicate with them using their lingo, they'll be like, holy shit, we got to buy this book, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bro, that's sick. Wait, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, after we're done with this, I'm going to ask you back sure. about those. Sounds good, man. Dude, I really did like the book. Like, um, I, I gave myself like three days to finish it and I, I finished it in one sitting, dude. It's it's really yeah. well written, good flow. You can tell there was a lot of effort into the organization of things of presenting an idea and then following it up with it a few pages down the road. That was really good. Yeah. Of the seven pillars you have, I really liked the first one, the inventory, taking inventory of your time. Because mm. I feel like procrastination is one of those things that everyone, it, it's just that thing that people keep pushing under the rug, procrastination, you know? No matter what level you're at, there's always... Once your skills get better, so do the level of your problems. So you can always procrastinate no matter how good you are. So it's just one of those creepy things. And I just really like how you go about attacking procrastination. Do you think you could uh, expand on that a bit? Yeah. Another thing that I want to touch on, which I will yeah. uh, like a bit later, is also the whole aspect of death. And this is like pretty philosophical, but yeah. that that's also part of that, I think. In terms of procrastination, I'd say I've obviously wrote that a little bit ago and then I've had a lot of other experiences. Can I hear what you got out of that part and then I'll yeah. I'll expand on it? Of course. In a pretty crude way, I felt like procrastination is like a very arrogant, like hubristic idea. The procrastination is the arrogant belief that God owes you another day to do what you could have done today, you know? Mm-hmm. What I like about taking inventory of your time and you break it out like seven phases of your day, right? I really like that you have to take extreme ownership on your screen time, on your sleep. Like maybe you're just oversleeping. You know, I like that you break it down. I think that is a very good first step in figuring out where you're spending most of your time and if you should be spending that much time on that one thing. Yeah, I heard a quote two or three years ago. It was something along the lines like, when your time is planned, that's when you have the most freedom because you know exactly what you're going to be doing with yeah. all of your time and you plan in time to be spontaneous or time to do activities. But when your time is not planned, 
you're it's all jumbled in your head and you're like running from one thing to the next it's not efficient and you also have it all stored up here and it's hard to keep track of it and actually commit to doing the things when you need to be doing them and so you lose out on freedom because you're kind of chained to all these things that are in your head or that you don't really know how to accomplish or that you're not even putting effort into accomplishing so that was what like really shifted my perspective on all that and making sure that I plan at least putting stuff into my calendar that's important like this podcast or whatnot and having that set up that system on your calendar but also like if you want to make a change in life you have to understand where you're putting all your time and there's different sections of life that you spend time on and that's how you can start to understand like what's taking up the most time for you you have like your financial stuff that you're working on you have school maybe if you're in college or high school you have work you have family and social relationships but there's a very few amount of things or categories that you're spending time in like you can chunk it into those few things and once you do that you start to understand like where you're putting your focus and attention and what you want to shift and change yeah so and then the other thing that like the philosophical aspect of it and like what you mentioned um with the hubris aspect of you know if you're procrastinating you're what did you say letting god yeah you like you think god owes you an extra day to do what you could have done today yeah that's like i feel like i've been thinking a lot about death and like putting myself in their perspective there's actually going to be two things here the first is like i put myself in a perspective i've actually been learning from the buddha a lot recently and he talks about how the world cannot be described in words like words are a social construct in our minds to help us apply meaning to the world but really the universe and the world is so much more unexplainable and mm-hmm. and like can't be described through words so it's a weird it like shifts your perspective to see things not in terms of like words that we use to describe them but everything here is undescribable yeah. so that also ties into death because like when you put yourself into the perspective that oh shit this is all going to end then you like start to literally appreciate everything so much more because you understand. And I said this in the last podcast, but it's like a vacation. You know, when you go on a vacation, you have like the week long period where it's like all going good, but you're always reminded in the back of your head that it's going to come to an end. And so you want to soak in every minute of it. And so life is just one long vacation you have to like learn to enjoy it and i feel like that's that's a big thing about screen time too is like people are so distracted in playing video games their phones or or like partying and drinking and there's so much more to life that we've just been silenced or repressed from and like our understanding about the universe and the world is so not it yeah no that's that's so well put man i love that perspective of life as a vacation that excitement everyone's felt when you're on vacation and then it's coming to an end and precisely because it's coming to an end, it makes it more sweet to enjoy every minute. Apply that to life. What better thing to apply to than your life, dude? That's so good. That's awesome. Yeah. And then another thing, cause you know, like I told you, my dad passed away a little bit ago mm-hmm. is like, you know, I, I went to see him after he passed 
And at first, there was like a huge fear about death. Like I was really scared about seeing him and all that. But once I was like there and I got rid of like that that fear, that scaredness of death, of just seeing it and like, you know, just kind of being there. Like there was this really just as like a release of just the fear and just a total new feeling of just calmness and it just felt so good and it's a feeling i've had because because i've done um psychedelic mushrooms before Mm -hmm. and what happens is you get to this point where you just you have such good feeling about life because all of your worries are gone Mm -hmm. and you're you just understand that like the whole point of life is to just enjoy living like just Mm -hmm. enjoy being alive and it was a similar feeling in like your gut i can feel it but it's just yeah it's like and this ties into your mind completely because that feeling is a complete lack of worry a complete lack of fear and all your fears are illusions like i talk about with my maui trip all of your fears are illusions and once you understand that they're all illusions you can really tap into like what is reality and then you can tap into your own creative potential because instead of worrying, you're now in a source. You're now connected to source, connected to your creative energy and your creative potential, which is, which is unlimited. And then that's where like shit starts to happen, where you can yeah. start to actually start creating that fucking incredible life that you're living and you're not worried about, you know, all these other things that your mind's coming up with. Absolutely, man. You can't operate from a place of fear. Yeah, man. Very powerful. Um, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this uh, before the call, but losing your, your father is one of those moments that a lot of great writers, a lot of great people of all ages, when their father passed, it's, they always say it's like a pivotal moment in spirituality, like you're talking about. Also, mm-hmm. just psychologically, like you, you just operate from a different place. And it's very touching to hear it from you so soon after dad's passing, you getting to that realization that I cannot operate from a place from fear. That That's just not going to serve my family. It's not going to serve me. It's not going to serve the family name. That's really powerful, man. Yeah. And I want to say also, because I feel like with men, especially, it's like, you know, we're supposed to be hard and not show our emotions. Operating without fear is a lot different than like expressing your emotions and mm-hmm. you like this is something I've learned because I my parents also got divorced like eight to ten years ago and that was like super hard on me but I was so young and not emotionally intelligent that I just didn't know how to handle it and I talk about it in my book like fighting with my mom and just how terrible or like broken down our relationship got and so like I feel like I've had a lot of stuff come up from there with this new event in my life because mm-hmm. there was a lot that I didn't express but I've like started to like understand that you know being in presence and talking about things like this that happen like naturally evoke emotions and what I used to do was like kind of suppress them But now this is actually, I have a question for you because, you know, a lot of people say that presence is like this blissful state or like, it's like without worry, you know, and all that. However, it, I, from my experience recently, it's possible to like be completely in the now in the here and now, but also have those emotions of sadness 
mm -hmm. thrive and come up. And so I don't think presence is per se, like always happy, always blissful. It's just like, if you understand what I'm trying to ask Absolutely. you. Yeah. Okay. You've, you've had sisters. I've not had sisters. So I was very emotionally unintelligent. And then I came into a relationship that lasted eight years with a girl. I really think that um, a lot of men, if they found themselves in a situation like I am, where like my dad had a brother and just a lot of men in my life, that we don't really connect with the female side of things. I believe that the best thing you can possibly do is to have platonic relationships with girls. It, it is a powerful way to tap into what you're saying. The emotional side of the world is one that we think it's a superpower as guys to be like very hard through things, but imagine being able to tap into that extra dimension that life offers, but still like be in your masculine and like try to think of solutions, whatever. But like imagine living in a world where you can actually feel more. Right. So if that's the first thing I think, like having the strength and morals to not sexualize every woman you come across and have platonic relationships. I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. The second the second thing is, yeah, that's still a composure. They I still think that's very necessary, particularly in conflict. Like when things are hard, it is the easy thing to be chaotic, emotionally destructive, whatever. But in the moment when you're supposed to like provide solutions, you should have some slow composure. That's not to say you should be like an absolutely cold person. I'm just saying like for that moment, you should know your role. And then yeah. the third thing is something that I've been practicing in the last few months is visualizing life as like a sponge. So emotional inputs and triggers and life events and like small synchronicities, I think of it as like water, right? Okay. And so I am a sponge, right? And my goal is to just give, give, give to people. So I'm just squeezing all the water, all the life force. I'm just squeezing and I'm giving it to other people. And when I put myself in a new environment after having given so much, you ever like put a sponge in a new wet place and you let it go, it just expands and expands and expands and expands. I've felt that expansion in the emotional sphere so much particularly because I've given so much, even after heartbreak, even after all this stuff, I've seen people and I help people out with whatever I can. I just give, give, give. And I can't help but like fill myself up because of that, like later on. And that is an emotional exercise that I have just been doing under a year, which is emotionally, if I can help someone emotionally, that life force, just give, 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 give. And then just by existing after having done that, I just honestly just get filled up. Other people fill me up emotionally. And it's just that visualization of like the sponge thing that has really helped me realize right now I'm in a state of giving. That's fine because I know I'm going to get filled back up by, by the universe later on. And those three things have helped me out. What's what's an example of when you've gotten filled up? Yeah. So like after I came back from Bali from the breakup, she was fantastic. She was great. But there's a lot of these things, particularly mm -hmm. emotional prerequisites I had not been meeting. And so when I, my best friend picked me up from the airport and we were walking around a field and then we sat back down with all my friends and gave that off my chest. He started telling me some things from his life. And then when my friends finally sat down together, they're like, hey, Mateo, you are an awesome person. You do this. You've done that. You do this. You have done that. And like things I haven't heard before and things I haven't considered before. I was like, you know what? Yeah, that is a strength. I am being too hard on myself. That's 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 cool. And like stuff that I've done that I just completely forgot about years down the road. It's just uh, hearing it come back was a good feeling. And I feel like a lot of us have done so much, so many things that we don't that we've already forgotten about, but have left an impression on other people's lives. And just to hear it was rewarding. So yeah, I want to ask you then 
because my mom w- I was actually just talking about this with my mom and she said like obviously people are the key they're the they're the things that give you this um emotional support and you know she was saying that that exact thing where you know you have given your time to others and your own support to others and now this is a period where you get to accept and receive it yeah. from other people instead of giving it because I've had some other friends who are going through some things, but none as intense as what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And so she was like, it's your time to kind of accept and receive from others. So is, you know, do you mainly only accept and receive? Are you mainly giving when things are good? And then when there's like more of an intense experience in your life, that's when you're getting or like I, I would look at it in that way because it's like a wave, you know, you're yeah. you're on the up and then maybe you're having it down and that's when you're giving, receiving. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you. I had the emotional intelligence of what you just said that I would only give when times are good and when things are easy. But uh, yeah, dude, my last year was pretty, pretty fucking rough, to be honest, like emotionally, because I um, me and this girl, we're from the same hometown. So there's a lot of like physical triggers and and places and stuff i've shared with this person so yeah i would i would be like emotionally like going through it but i'm i joined tribe almost immediately after and i i've been interacting with a bunch of different people and even though i wasn't in an emotional state to i wasn't an emotionally blissful state i would hear people's stories and now you know what i I have a nugget that could help you out right here oh i have this person you should connect with i would just give to people i would listen i'd be a lending ear and like you said some some people's emotional stories are way more intense than mine. Sometimes my emotional thing was more intense than theirs. So it doesn't matter. I'm in a state of giving right now. And mm. just doing that made me realize, like, you don't have to be emotionally well or mentally well. You don't have to be, like, 100% well. Technically, you never will be. You have to still, and particularly even because you're not well, that's the best time, actually, to give, you know? Yeah, I like that. Is that something you've been struggling with, maybe? Like, just showing the good side of things? I'm 27, dude, and I just now started to realize the power of giving, particularly when you feel like shit. I think maybe after talking to my mom, I was like, I shouldn't give. But now, you know, just relating both perspectives, um, like she was saying, kind of focus more on yourself, which I will be doing. But that's not to say that I shouldn't just completely stop giving my support to others or my help to others. So yeah, it's it's like, I feel like it's more important to not stop than to just completely stop and cut yourself off from giving because giving, like you said, makes yourself even better. And it, it yeah. like work. Yeah. It like yeah. helps you. Yeah. And I would say one thing I noticed in um, your thought patterns are fantastic, dude. At your age, dude, you're like light years ahead of like most people at your age. But I didn't notice one thing that, um, kept up just now and then something you asked previously i mean it's something that me and a lot of people are are guilty of too a lot of times we think of something like what your mom just said and what i just said and you think these are this is a mutually exclusive thing it's one or the other it's like black or white there's a lot of gray areas man and the cool thing is and like you said earlier with the the buddha said life is full of paradoxes life is full of things that doesn't make sense certain things apply to one person it will not apply to you and just that used to irritate me but then i realized that's the beauty of things so in this mm-hmm. case your mom knows you better than i do but there's probably some areas in which you should be or certain people where you should just receive 
more and only you will know who those people are and those moments are. And then there's other moments that you will have to just give more, but only, only Avery knows the answer to that, you know, but there's the trap of like thinking things are mutually exclusive, which most things are not. Mm -hmm. And then just to add onto that, thank you for saying that by the way. And also that's like a huge thing just mentally that I've realized is like only you have the answers for yourself. Like you can read all the books that you want. You can try and do all these things for your mind to switch how you think, but only you have the power to like actually shift how you think and what you perceive. And only you have, like you already know everything that you need to be doing. You already know it's just putting it into action. Like I talk about in that book, there's like that, that, um, that gap between like, you know what you need to do, but how do you do it and i think that's where but okay how do you think you close that gap how i've done is just been more instantaneous with as soon as i need to do something doing it this is a very small example but once you eat or once you cook clean and then eat or once you're finished eating put your dishes in the dishwasher right away it's like instantly yeah napoleon hill said something about like there's a word that i wanted to use specifically and i can't think of it but what are are your thoughts on like closing that that yeah As a Tony Robbins person, you probably heard him say this, that you're talking about the tyranny of how, you know, like you're just constantly worried about the how, but if your why is big enough, the how is going to figure itself out because if you're doing the right thing socially, if you're doing the right things with research wise, you're doing the right things with yourself, you figure the answer, the answers come to you. You know exactly what you need to do. You're hundred percent right. You know exactly what you need to work on. This particulars though, like that will come later. And that will come in a moment's notice. It's going to be right in your face and be like, all right, option A, B, or C. And then you just do that over and over again. You do B this time. You do A the next time. You do C the next time, whatever. That is the how. Like the how is going to come to you, right? The first and most important thing is being able to have the stones to take action when it comes time to take action. It helps to get certifications. It helps to like get technical stuff. But the most important thing is to take imperfect action. Mm -hmm. Having the balls to just do it, yeah. Yeah. Stuck because I really want to find this word that I that I had. I got you. Is it in outwitting the devil? It's like, yeah, maybe. Oh, oh, yeah. It's having chosen a definite chief aim as my life's work. I now understand it to be my duty to transform this purpose into reality. Therefore, I will form the habit of taking some definite action each day that will carry me one step nearer to the attainment of my definite chief aim. I know that procrastination is a deadly enemy of all who would become leaders in any undertaking, and I will eliminate this habit from my makeup by first doing some one definite thing each day that ought to be done without anyone telling me to do it, two, looking around until I find at least one thing that I can do each day that I have not been in the habit of doing and that will be of value to others without expectation of pay, and three, telling at least one other person each day of the value of practicing this habit of doing something that ought to be done without anyone being told to do it. I can see that the muscles of my body become strong in proportion to the extent to which they are used. Therefore, I understand that the habit of initiative, that was the word I was looking for, also becomes fixed in proportion to the extent that it is practiced. I realize that the place to begin developing the backing of initiative is in the small commonplace things connected with my daily work. Therefore, I will go to my work each day as if I were doing it solely for the purpose of developing this necessary habit of initiative. 
I understand that by practicing this habit of taking the initiative in connection with my daily work, I will not only be developing that habit, but I will also be attracting the attention of those who will place greater value on my services as a result of this practice. There we that, go. That So initiative, that was what I was trying to say. Yeah. That's a very rare muscle to be worked nowadays, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a lot of people need... Uh, even even the relationships, you see this all the time. They want a second mother, basically. Like, get off your phone, get off the video games, like do that. Like, imagine delegating your initiative to someone else. Like, couldn't be me, dude. <laughs> couldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And you know what? Speaking of that, that actually relates to something you talked about that I, I immediately took note and wrote it down is the downtime. Like how you're using your downtime. And I like how you break it down between connected downtime and disconnected downtime. And you're not like downplaying disconnection either disconnection is super important now you're reading up on the buddha and stuff like do you mm -hmm. want to talk about connected versus disconnected downtime yeah well disconnected is like what arlen has us do where you just go out you have nothing to do and you go on like a silent retreat yeah. for like i don't know you can do it for a day two days three days three days is pretty crazy but basically you just go out and you aren't on you literally do nothing with your time and you just mm -hmm. like a really great place is go get a cabin in the woods like airbnb a cabin for like two days and just do nothing just sit in the cabin you know i mean you could fast i would fast for a whole day at least mm -hmm. and just literally be there with your thoughts and your mind and yourself and like learn how to feel comfortable doing nothing and then connected downtime is just use the time that you would normally like not be doing anything with like maybe while you're driving or anything else use that time to like accelerate your life through audiobooks podcasts and all this stuff where you can be like learning about the world and the universe like learning so much more and so yeah. many other topics that you don't get taught in school or that you would never have thought to learn about you can do that in your car and obviously like it's enjoyable to listen to music so it's a bit more difficult to like put on an audiobook or something in the car because you just want to like drive and listen to music but once you start like put on a podcast from your favorite person i like lex have you heard of like lex friedman yeah 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 lex friedman's good um and like put on a podcast once you do you're like you're kind of hooked because it's it's like fun it's just the action of actually seeing the podcast on first is the the hardest step i feel like anyway that's my own personal experience no for sure i mean the things that are worthwhile tend to be a bit hard and dude like you're saying after a while it becomes fun you're learning again dude i don't know about you but i love school you know just like going to class and learning things like it's a fun thing to find that feeling again in adulthood like you get to go and attend school again and what you mentioned the secret school that's the best school of all, man. The secret mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, you want to expand on the secret school? Yeah. Well, so that was, we were like, we were thinking about what to like put at the end. And we were like, okay, the secret school is just like everything that you want to learn is out there. And you don't really have to go to like a, a real institutional education to get all this knowledge about the world and your mind and all that everything's out there and like books through watching people's videos and it's just you have to like put yourself in the position 
to like actually want or choose to learn yeah and like tap into this secret school where all the information is accessible everywhere like anything you want to learn is out there and there's yeah. so much to learn out there that is not taught in institutional education 100 percent. yep yeah the napoleon hill he's definitely part of the curriculum you know like i feel like a lot of oh, yeah. that that's why I, I need i need to finally read some napoleon hill he's he's up there yeah i mean certain ideas too like if you think about what a complete man used to look like like he learned his philosophy he had his fitness in check he was a businessman because he really had to be if you didn't come from a like a big family who had like a family office of like this son is an accountant, this son will be our lawyer. That like if you didn't have that, you had to be all those, you have to wear all those hats yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You had to grow your own food. So have like a basic understanding of agriculture, like all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's the old way, that's gone. You have access to even more information than these guys had. You can be an absolute king of all trades if you wanted mm -hmm. to be. So I like that secret school concept. It's available for everybody. A lot of university degrees are simply not worth it compared to a YouTube degree you could have, right? You can get it yeah. certified in $30, $50, $100 for like an industry certified, recognized certifications. Like it's a no brainer. Like for, for what do they do? I've actually never heard of the YouTube certifications. No, no not, not from YouTube, but like you can get information. For instance, like I was just trying to fuck around. I think I told you that um, I'm trying to learn like really focus on marketing. Like I was doing sales okay, and I was yeah. trying to do marketing organizations. So I was like, who's the biggest sales and marketing like giant out there? Salesforce. Salesforce is massive. Mark Betty off of them. And so I'm like, all right, can I learn what these big guys are doing? And they have all kinds of different certifications. They have the sales cloud, they have the marketing cloud. So I got a marketing cloud certification. I want to learn what the big guys are doing. So I studied on YouTube, free videos. I actually paid for an extra like $20 class on Udemy, Udemy okay. or Coursera, whatever. Yeah. And then you take the fucking exam and then you just get the certification. Like you can do this. Like, so in total, I spent $20 for a certification that I know my peers, cause I follow them on, on LinkedIn, got the same certification after like doing a master's degree after doing this stuff and no hate, right? Like if you want to do that, that's fantastic. But the idea that it's a prerequisite to spend tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn something is just not the case anymore mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and like you're gonna like you could put that degree on your resume and it'd be the same even mm -hmm. if you don't even want to get the job you you still have the same experience and knowledge as they do for a fraction of the cost a fraction dude absolutely and at the end of the day this is something um in in spanish culture there's something called an enchufe which is like the plug and enchufe <laughs> which is like people get jobs for like literally zero qualifications. It's just cause you know, somebody, you get the job, right? Yeah. But in the States and in the world, there is like a still a secret in truth. Like it doesn't matter technically which school you went to technically at yeah, the end of the day, say you have two completely equal people. They both went to Ivy leagues. They'll both busted their asses. At the end of the day, one of the most important determining factors is like, do I want to work with this cat? Right. Mm -hmm. So those are the soft skills. Those are the personality type things. And that is something you work at every day and using your downtime correctly, being able to like learn a little bit of Napoleon Hill. Your boss is going to want to like share lunch with you. Right. And it would be he would probably much rather talk about Napoleon Hill with you than the report you wrote up 
30 minutes ago, right? Like just be an interesting person. So I think yeah. the secret school is one of those extra elements that you should include that makes you a more well-rounded person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Man. Also connections too, because who's the guy, I don't know if you know him, but he does the like huge conferences at sea, like he, uh, he has the Alpine mountain where he's building I'll have, to, I'll have to find him, but he basically said that you should spend your 20s like meeting as many people as you can and building yeah. those connections because when you get into your 30s those are those are all going to come full circle and like oh. even getting a job like if you know somebody that's more important than you know your resume absolutely and you remind me of something you said about that on the book it's a lot of people know your your network is your net worth right mm -hmm. people know that and people also heard it's all about who you know. But I love the distinction you made. It's about who knows you. Yeah. You could know a lot of people, but if they don't know you, like if you haven't left an impression on them for them to know you, then what's the strength of that relationship really? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, being intentional about relationships in your 20s is absolutely golden. And like especially people like us, men, you tend to build a lot. Right. And things mm -hmm. that last a long time, which means in the beginning, you're still doing your foundational work, which means their value is only going to go up. Right. So if you plant your seed and dig your well, well before in the in your 20s, and obviously you need to work on yourself, too. You don't just want to sit there. Then the world is your oyster, dude. Come five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, like you guys are going to be on a yacht together with top G. Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yes, sir. Honestly, dude, you, the way you wrote the book, it flows really well. And um, a lot of life nuggets in there. I really, I really appreciate the, because you can tell you put in a lot of effort into this and just want to say it's well appreciated. Thank you, Mateo. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is good, bro. We need to just keep doing more of these because these are fun. Yeah, man, this is oh. great. I don't know if I'm going to be in Colorado this year, but uh, we should definitely meet up in person if you're going to be in Europe at some point. Like, I want to be there, so okay we can make this happen yeah i'm thinking because i graduate december i think i'll i'll head over to europe sometime early 2024 are you there right now i'm not i'm in ellicottville like in upstate new york right now doing okay. some stuff but um yeah man i uh you can practice your french i know you're doing some french on duolingo <laughs> yeah i was i it's funny because like you write the book and you have some things in there that kind of pass like i'm still learning but I've had, like, I've switched up things. But, yeah, I definitely, actually, this is really cool because what I realized is, like, my own personal strength is communication. Like, mm -hmm. I love communication and culture and, like, understanding people, like, psychology and just, like, yeah. the universe. And it's crazy how the universe made, like, all these different languages and all these different, you know. Like, I, I have a Russian friend. And she told, like, she, like, showed, she showed me all this Russian rap and, like, the meanings behind it she couldn't quite describe because it's, like, only something they understand over there. And yeah. so I want to, like, well, I think one of my overall life goals is going to be, like, learning French, Spanish, Russian, like, understanding all these different languages and just yeah. traveling around. And just like learning from all these cultures because it is so crazy. It's so interesting. It's different types of monkey people. Like we're all like apes, right? Yeah. And they're all communicating using different sounds that this tribe doesn't use that sound. So that's so that idea doesn't exist to them. 
but yeah. these people, yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, particularly, dude, I'm right now. I'm with some like German friends, and Germans, they have the structure of their language is such that like you take an, you take one word, and then if you want to get extra specific, literally stack another word to it, and now you have this super long word, and it's a very hyper specific thing. So like Germans, their minds, like they are very analytical because literally almost a word for every feeling every everything exists there's a word for it where yeah, in yeah. english there's gaps for things if you want to describe a certain feeling you, you can get close but you can't get specific germans do very specific but russians russians don't even use articles like the or anything so when you hear yeah. a Russian like talk in english they're like i close door right yeah like, you just and it makes perfect sense it technically is unnecessary but like in their mind they're like we'll get to the point you'll figure it out it's only important things matter we don't need specifics like and that affects their whole psychology yeah exactly that's actually the point i was trying to make is like because in the song it's like uh a shot shot vodka on table like it's supposed uh -huh. to be a shot of vodka on the table but it's like shot vodka on table yeah and that whole like aspect of like not using articles i didn't know that's what how you would describe it but yeah that's what i was trying to get across is like the way they think is just so straightforward and so like they also just understand a lot about life like yeah that a lot of people don't i don't know dude absolutely the the whole thing with like world war ii too I, i'm a huge history guy when you got the germans going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the russians it was not only like on a geopolitical level but like philosophically psychologically you got the brightest guys going at each other like why their way of life is wrong why their way of life is wrong and what was really interesting is these two are like they're brilliant at chess they're brilliant at strategy games they're brilliant at like cognitive thinking but like you're saying like a russian he his way of navigating the world is like important milestone to important milestone like big things big things big things and a german to be like we're gonna get the specifics we're gonna be super articulate we're gonna do all this stuff and like you add flesh to those bones you have different types of world politics world philosophies and it's crazy because they both end up being super effective ways to navigate through the world they're both very smart they're both whatever but yeah it's just very interesting yeah we're gonna do a lot of more of these talks too you're very well read you have a lot of value to give in the world and you're still super young so this is gonna be, this is gonna be great but uh, i just want to take the time here again to thank you for your time this has been a fun episode thank you yeah no mateo thanks for having me on this is actually this is so fun for me so <laughs> that's great dude glad to hear that yeah let's let's get another one i'll i'll be busy in baltimore but after after that well this has been a great chat man i'm uh i'm gonna let you go but dude keep uh keep being you man you're great thank you you too mateo we'll talk soon he's avery peace bye